For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, episode 38. Good to see you guys. Good to see you too, I'm uh, one of your hosts, Jeremy Boyd. I'm Alex. Yeah, Alex. And uh, we got a special guest tonight. You may have seen this uh, lovely face on such podcasts as The Sword and the Trowel, <laughs> or The Liberty Dispatch, <laughs> or Cross Politic, even. You've hit, you've hit the heights of, uh, of glory now. I've got all the different views of the Covenant Theology podcast. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, we got them all. <laughs> this is so. This is Pastor Andrew De Bartolo from Encounter Church in Kingston, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Great to have you with us. Mm-hmm. Glad to be here, guys. Good to be in Peterborough. Mm-hmm. He's one of the good ones. We're not. We didn't bring him here to grill him on anything. He's, uh, you know, kept his church open all last year. Uh, fought the mandates. He's doing really good work out there. Mm-hmm. So always good to be together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I do a lot of work in Kingston during the week, and so every now and then I'll pop in and have a coffee with Andrew and. Uh, it's always a nice, refreshing part of my week when that when that ends up coming together. So and lunch at restaurants before the tyranny got too. That's thick. right. That's right. We did have uh, after we weren't allowed to go to restaurants because neither of us has the uh, the jab. Uh, we still went to one that was open uh, in defiance, and we had chicken wings. It was delicious. Yeah. Then were the they guys, the best chicken wings you've ever had? No, but they were chicken wings. Freedom wings. That's what I told. I told the owner. I told the owner of the restaurant. You got to start calling them freedom wings. It felt like it though. You know, it's like I hadn't been to a restaurant in months at that point. So we're just like, hey, we're out in public. We walk in without masks on. Everybody's smiling and friendly. hugging. Yeah. 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 It was. It was. Uh, it was nice to be normal. That's great. So, but they got shut down <laughs> by the Gestapo. By the way, that video of uh, of uh, <laughs> Pastor Pav- Pavlich, is that his name? Pavlovsky. Pav- Pavlovsky. Um, the other Polish name, sorry. <laughs> that has aged very well, I must say. Remember when we were all debating whether he was being a little too harsh with the police <laughs> back a year and a half ago? I think he was right on the money. Makes um, a case for the prophetic, that's for <laughs> that's sure. That's right. <laughs> you Nazi psychopaths. Anyway. <laughs> That was a highlight. I'd still I still throw that video on when I'm having a bad day, you know. Just put that on and watch him cuss out the health authorities. So hey, what are we talking about tonight? Uh well, I mean it was your idea. Well, it but was I- my idea. <laughs> if it goes wrong, I don't want people to know it was my idea. I I think what we wanted to talk about is is um how we fulfill our mandate from God to take dominion as his creatures and as those who are part of his new creation um, to take dominion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over all the earth. And how do we do that specifically? We're always talking about that in a world that is in rebellion against God or in, in a, in a culture that seems to be under the active wrath of God. Uh, you, we see in scripture in Romans one, that the givenness to sexual perversion, for example, is an example of, God's wrath being poured out. We know that all those who are not in Christ are under the wrath of God, just as we were before Christ, that we need his blood to be shed as a propitiation for our sins, for that wrath to be appeased. Um, but the, the the question is kind of, for, for just every Christian, you know, on the ground, um, I think in light of C4, you know, very Canada is very much under the judgment of God. 
and not just in a general way as those who are not in Christ are, but in a specific way as evidenced in the sexual perversion, the murder of children, um, and the defiling of children, these types of things. That's a sign that a culture is being given over to right. their rebellion. So how do we how do we respond? And um I mean the first word of encouragement I'd give and maybe pass it over to you guys is this this helpfully um maybe beneath the question is the assumption that there's an obstacle to dominion in people's sin and rebellion. Right. And on the one sense we want to say, well, yes, but that's the obstacle that the gospel is is designed to overcome. And this is the difference between dominion and domination. I mean, the dominion of Christ over all the earth has never been dependent upon the godliness of the culture. Uh, it's never been dependent upon the cultural. Uh, what do they? What's what's the TGC guys say? The T- cultural capital. Yeah, the cultural capital of the church. Or Tom Maskell said the uh, the ammunition. All that we got to save our bullets. We got to save all our witness ammunition yeah. and store it away for when the big fight comes right. out. Yes. And and this is a this is a fundamental misunderstanding about how dominion is taken and and frankly the potency of the gospel is and it's funny that this comes from reformed guys. Guys who supposedly believe that the power is in the preaching of the word and in the gospel itself that is the power of God unto salvation and not in the receptivity of those who hear. Uh, it's funny that those are the guys who are talking about cultural capital. I mean, I would understand that from a seeker-sensitive church, from a more Arminian right. b- background. That's consistent, right? You're you're thinking more along the lines of a neutrality in people um, as a, as opposed to a depravity. Anyhow, um, we we want to say first and foremost that it's the gospel that overcomes people's sins, and it's the Holy Spirit through the Word that brings life, and so. In one sense, we, we just need to begin by saying there's no obstacle that Christ can't overcome. And the, the, right. the more godless a culture is, in a very real sense, that's that's no greater obstacle uh, than a culture that right. wasn't in that. Place. You see that in um, the story of Jonah. Yeah. Right, going to Nineveh. Yes. And the it, basically the entire city having a revival of, yes. of repentance. Yes. Um, because of the preaching of the word. All yeah. he said was, you're going <laughs> to... 40 if, days. Yeah, if you don't repent, you're going to go down. And, yeah. he's, and he's out, he's gone. Yeah. He takes a day and a half journey into the center of the city, right? Takes him a day and a half to get there. And then he says, you're going to be destroyed if you don't repent. And then he leaves, and that's it. Wow. That's all it took. Must have been really good. Don't yeah. you wish your sermons were that effective? I mean, I, I wish you, you, you just like two sentences, massive revival. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like Alex, why do you say so many words? <laughs> I'll stop when it works. <laughs> right, but but that's a great example. And and Jesus, um, where does he actually rebuke? I think the Pharisees. Yeah, he says the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment. Yes, is, it, is that what he says, or was it the men of Sodom uh, will rise up? Or no, no, that's. They, they're not going to be there. But basically, uh, if, yeah. they, if the, they had the, heard what you heard, right? Yeah, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the yes. day of judgment, right? Then if he also talks about Tyre and Sidon as well, yes, that it would, it, they will, because of the light that you had and that you squandered. That's right. It'll be more tolerable for them, even though quote unquote their evil was worse than yours. Yeah, then it'll be for you. Mm. But maybe there's a there's a a principle to pull out of that, and that. What we see as a great obstacle as Canada descends, and, and the West in general, descends away from its Christian heritage into 
paganism, um, superstition, and all kinds of evil, um, it's like that's not actually the an obstacle for God. And it's the cultures that are the most self-righteous, you know, most confident in their standing before the Lord that actually can be the most hard-hearted and, and uh, fail to receive God's Word. I and mean, again, that's the Old Testament all through the prophets, yeah. right? The constant preaching from the prophets to the people of Israel, and they were just hardened and hardened and hardened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like because they've heard it so much, they've become hardened to it. And then Jonah goes to Nineveh again in a day and a half, the whole place. Repents, but that that's obviously a work of God, right? That's yeah. not, again, not the, uh, not the eloquence with which he preached or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and there's a sensitivity that exists in people that doesn't exist in a culture that is marked by safety, or that is marked by this kind of post-Christian inoculated to the gospel kind of blessing. Yeah. So it's a sensitivity now where people, for example, are thinking about death more seriously Mm -hmm. and more imminently than before Mm -hmm. or suffering or loss Mm -hmm. um, wrestling with the fact that maybe it's not just materialism. Maybe when we say that people are evil or people do evil things, we're talking about something spiritual and not just the product of evolution and Mm -hmm. what's best for me and, and you know, the survival of my Mm -hmm. particular species. And so there's a, there's a greater sensitivity to things in a culture that is off the rails mm-hmm. than a culture that's so well put together, mm-hmm. right? That we're basically having to to rip down different structures. So instead of having to tear down the structures of a dead orthodoxy or a post-Christian slash seeker-sensitive and then erect in its place the truth, there's something else that we're having to to deal with, but we're not we're not having to undo yeah right generations yeah. of poor teaching on what it means to be a Christian and what the Bible's about yeah that work's yeah, already been just, done for us. There's just total ignorance almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been listening to some of the um, CB channel chat things for this nice. uh, for the trucker convoy that's coming, and I know we kind of want to touch on this too. But listening to the comments from people is pretty amazing. Like you, you hear people break down weeping all the time as they're sending these. Wow. messages of thank you and it's uh and i feel it too when you're listening you're just overwhelmed with emotion um because these people have felt alone for two years now and now they're seeing that they're not alone and i just you just get the impression that like the harvest is ripe yeah and these people are ready for something more mm-hmm. than um empty words and lies and division yeah. and and just this materialistic reductionism right well we experienced that at the rally here Right. Remember the remember the big one we That's went right, to? That's right, yeah. But even every other one, too. I mean, we were saying, um, if Jeremy and I went down to the Cenotaph at any other Saturday three years ago, say you played some songs and I did some speaking, um, like some people may have wandered over, you know what I mean? It, it would have been largely just overlooked and ignored. And at this place, you know, 600 people were dialed in to what I was saying. And I, it was, it was more like 1400. Yeah. Okay. It was a huge amount. And uh, that's what CTV reported it as. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't you know, the news always drops about 800 people. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The camera drops 800 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I, but I realized there's a sensitivity and a longing, um, 
that God was actually drawing people to himself. And that's why we kept going with the preaching in the park, because it just felt like, well, we should keep doing this. We shouldn't yeah, just yeah. do this because it's a protest. Like We should do this because people need the gospel and keep going and keep doing that. And um, But this uh, this kind of ties in, right? What is it? What does it mean to to take dominion and be faithful in a country that is under the active wrath of God? In a yeah. sense, um, I mean, even that verse I read from Lamentations, the goal is repentance. Yeah, right. And so God is letting, giving people over to their sin mm-hmm. and their wickedness, uh, obviously with the goal that they will repent. And so I think that's what we're seeing, right? As yeah, so a thought just came to my mind. When Paul talks about church discipline in 2 Corinthians 3 to 5, when he talks about the person who's involved in a sexually immoral relationship with either his biological mother or a stepmother, we don't know. The language that he uses is handing the person over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh with the express intent that hopefully that will be what brings about repentance. repentance. And I mean, obviously that's, that's a, a person, that's, that's an elder, that's a church handing someone over and mm. letting them say, fine, you need to take this all the way to the end in the hopes that that'll be what turns it around. Yeah. Could it be that that instruction is given to God's people for church discipline because that's a similar way that the Lord works with people, that mm. part of the handing over... I mean, we see this in Isaiah 6, right? At the end of Isaiah 6, the very, you know, here I am, send me. And, you know, the missionary comes and speaks, and then there's the altar call, and there's the tears. And they stop halfway through Isaiah 6 when it continues on that that Isaiah says, what do you want me to say? And God says, oh, I want you to tell them that I'm going to burn the, the land down. I'm going to destroy it all, mm. all of it. And then Isaiah says, how long? <laughs> well, Lord, how long am I going <laughs> to, right? Oh, just, yeah, uh, until I, and then I'm going to burn it again. Mm. because what I'm really after is the the holy seed or the mm. stump, the remnant. And so I will, I'll burn the whole thing down mm. because I'm not after the whole thing anyways, in a sense. I'm after gathering my people mm. and by letting the fire devour the forest, that's how I get them. So I, know I just, uh, this, this idea of what if, what if church discipline is a small picture of what God does more broadly in cultures where he also will hand over a culture to Satan for the destruction of its flesh, so to speak. Discipline is always meant to bring about repentance. Mm -hmm. It's either judgment, you know, condemnation or repentance. Those are the only two options. That's a good point. And I'm even thinking about Romans (laughs) 9 to 11 and the Jewish people ethnically, um, you know, them bringing in the Gentiles, but it's so that they would look and, you know, be jealous and and and, and ultimately return. Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing. And maybe that's what's going on right now with, we're certainly being disciplined by the Lord for our arrogance and our pride. And why, why would we feel, Canadians are very proud people. This is the thing, we act all, we're all just so nice, but there's a level of conceit to Canadians that's really been shown in the last two years. Um, it's like we believe that we are truly incapable of sin and error. You know, if you if you you ask if you suggest that you know maybe health bureaucrats don't know everything and don't have all of the best intentions, it's like almost heretical. It's like how 
dare you? You know, and if you we're seeing with the trucker thing now, it's like, hey, we should go protest these mandates because for two years we've written and protested and talked and pleaded and done everything and been totally ignored and people are dying and losing their jobs and it's it's total corruption and evil and people are like anti-democracy. Do you know what I mean? It's like they we can't believe um we're so proud. We're so proud and we're so unwilling to bend the knee. We're so unwilling to humble ourselves. We're so unwilling to say that, no, we are evil. We're a nation who kills kids and we killed, we kill elderly people. Um, we abandon, we abandon the rule of law, you know, and we do it all with a smile, you know, it's and like, what's, that's what's, a special kind of evil. Well, what's funny is normally bringing that stuff up when you talk to people about the arrogance of being Canadian that I can see that we're not like our neighbors to the South. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. But here's what's interesting. I remember bringing this up with someone. If you actually look at uh, just a few statistics, like when we actually, the, the first wave of Canada saying not all, not all baby murder, but baby murder at a certain point was yeah. 1969, which was before Roe v. Wade in, in, in the States. And even still, by the time we had a full on all, all abortions mm. up until the point of birth was 1989 and the United States still, they're not there. So there's still certain States where it's illegal. So we legalized the outright murder of babies at any stage before them. Without a fight. Right. We, we legalized the profaning of marriage. Yeah. Decades before oh, they yeah. did. Right. They, they, so, and if you look at the amount of abortions per capita, Given the size of our population, Canada has about 100,000 abortions a year. And in the United States, it's about a million abortions a year. And you think, wow, that's a million. Yeah, but they're 10 times the size of us. Mm-hmm. And you actually break down the numbers. It's pretty close. It, no, it's more than for us. So per capita, Canada murders more babies in the United States. Mm-hmm. We've been doing it for longer than the United States. We've profaned marriage before they did. We legalized murdering old people before mm-hmm. they did. You can say whatever they and want. And we're expanding that now, right. too. We right, can say too. whatever we want about the guns and the Amer- We're worse than them. Oh, yeah. And we've been worse than them for longer, so it's no surprise that we would be experiencing the judgment sooner yeah. than they were. were. We're worse than they are. And and feel that we're better. Exactly. That's so yeah. the it, worst it, part. The, yeah, yeah. the height of the arrogance is yeah. that we say we're better because whatever. Because but we're worse. Because we don't have the guns and because right. blah, blah, whatever. And because we don't fight about it, as if that's a noble <laughs> virtue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like com- Canadian compliance is like the height of our righteousness. But it's like, it's not, a, it's not a good thing that you're indifferent to evil. That's actually a sign of the dullness of heart, and uh, which brings about the judgment of God. So I, th- I think you can make a very easy case that our nation is being judged and disciplined by God. And... Um, you know, the only thing that's going to bring us out of this is the preaching of the gospel. One one thing practically Christians need to get used to, we, we bring this up a lot, you need to get used to being a distinct culture. Um, I mean, I do remember, my whole life, I'm 35, I have felt that it wasn't cool to be a Christian, okay? So I've, I've always felt that it's, you are an outsider. I remember in school and in high school, um, you know, being... And maybe it was just me, but feeling a certain level of embarrassment about my beliefs. But at the same time, there was a lot of shared ground with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um, the church here generally tries to be, 
and we've seen in the last few years, loved and respected and and liked, or at least tolerated by the world. And um, what Christians here need to get used to is is living faithfully in a country that just straight up hates you. And I mean, we we need to take the words of Jesus where blessed are you when you are reviled, you know, mm-hmm. for all kinds of evil on account of my name. And um, realize that lies and reviling and public shaming are just par for the course. You know, we look at these guys going to Ottawa right now, and they're certainly not all Christians, although there seem to be a decent amount of Christians in the mix, in the truckers. Like, what's the first tactic they use? They, well, they try to say they're they're racist, they're extremists, they're radicals. I mean, this is what the they Pharisees... Have unacceptable views. Unacceptable views. Like, the Pharisees did this with That's Jesus. the arrogance of that guy. I'm sorry. That yeah. chafes me so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But but they did the same thing and saying this right. guy is basically an insurrectionist and he doesn't you know we have no king but Caesar and this guy's claiming to be the king and um it was a false charge and that you think about he's a glutton and a drunkard he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors it was yeah. false accusations and caricatures yeah, but he could do no right right and the point of that is like well John John did this and you called him this and I'm doing the opposite and you're you're calling me names for doing the opposite and it's like you guys just, they're never going to be happy. You're just looking yeah. for something to... But if your ethic is that people need to speak well of me, you're right. going to automatically say, I must be doing something wrong, right? If, well, it's right. funny because in Luke, when Luke has his version of the Sermon on the Mount, he also includes the negative to that, mm. right? So Matthew is, blessed are you when they persecute you and revile you and slander you. Mm. But Luke includes, right. be warned or be be concerned, right? Like... What it's, all, whoa, what if speak everyone well speaks well of you, right. for so they did the false prophecy, includes okay. the negative as well. Mm-hmm. But apparently TGC Canada didn't, that's not in their Bible. <laughs> they kind of omitted that verse. It's like their philosophy of ministry. Yeah. Blessed, Blessed are, you, are you, when, you when you're winsome and liked oh, yeah. and you maintain cultural capital. Yeah, and all people speak well of you. But you're right. There's this There's this sense that we experienced, I think, as as teenagers where... You know, we thought, oh, the reason why we don't fit in as Christians is because, you know, Christian culture, the music's not the greatest, and you know, it's we a wear, problem with us. We wear silly bracelets. Yeah. True, but maybe we were actually tapping into something that's true. Maybe we're never gonna no fit in. Which yeah. no, I kind of feel like there's verses of the Bible that talk about you know loving the world, being at enmity with God. And, yeah. Kind of feel like the scriptures have something to say about that mm-hmm. would will just never yeah the world will never let I me mean, Jesus said that they're going to hate you because they hate me because they hate the one you sent me yeah the church that looks like the world will never take dominion over the world mm-hmm. it's already made peace with it and the Christian the true Christian subculture is the best culture mm-hmm. I mean like when you guys go to church on Sunday and you're hanging out with the people of God. Like, I don't care what the surface culture is. I don't care what the dress code is or what music so-and-so is listening to on their iPod. You know, like, style-wise, like, that's when you're talking about By the when, way, when, when we were a kid. iPod, you totally tipped your age hand a little bit there. <laughs> you're like, back when I used, when you go to church and you pull out your Walkman or your MP3 player. Your old non-skip disc man. <laughs> no, shockproof. Portable 8-track player. Shockproof. Not shockproof. Not shockproof. That's yeah, it, yeah, yeah. shockproof. Sorry. I had one that you could like just shake it all day long and it wouldn't stop. 
because I did, about that. I did I just a lot thought of, uh, that was that was a good moment. Oh man, you derailed my a little thought. bit of ages in there. But Sorry. if you go to church, it's not about the right. surface stuff. Right. Yeah. The the culture is um, based on the bond we have in Christ. Yeah. And it's not based on whatever the subculture is was at school for us. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, those are the those are the the rowers and the jocks. Those are the smokers and the punkers. Like these are the yeah. kids that just do acid all day and sit and you know I mean there was all these groups of people, but it's all based on what they're doing on the outside. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And so you don't see that kind of culture in the church, and so it doesn't have a like a, a mass appeal to to unregenerate people. Yeah. But when I go, I'm like, this is this is this is the kind of world I want to live in. Mm-hmm. Like I want everybody to to experience this. Mm-hmm. This, by the way, is one of the reasons or one of the similarities between the super compliant churches mm. and the woke churches, even the super compliant churches that are reform leaning or what are mm. very conservative theologically, whatever that means anymore. Yeah. This they <laughs> share in common with the woke church, mm. this hyper focus on what others think, mm. this hyper focus on the external appearance or the building identity upon surface level things, mm-hmm. they share this in common. So one says, so concerned are we with what the world thinks that we're going to do everything we can to show that we're allies, mm. right? That we are not racist, sexist, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're, we're going yeah, to do whatever we do to win favor with the world. Mm-hmm. And the compliant churches do the exact same thing where mm-hmm. they say, we're going to show that we're compliant, that we're not scofflaws, that we're not like Americans, that we're not like the Billies. We're so concerned. So they're they're the same mm. same coin. Right. It's just two different sides. It's the same of, motivation, right? Behind. Mm-hmm. right. It's just one's further down the apostasy road than the other. What's a scofflaw? Somebody who scoffs at the law. <laughs> I mean, you ask a stupid question. You'll get, <laughs> you'll get a, no, that would be somebody who just is, I guess, willing to disobey laws just for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah, just, just, just rule just, breaker for yeah. yeah, rebel without a cause. Yeah, it's a red light. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna jaywalk just cause. Yeah, yeah. You can't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of attitude, which we kind of huh. have a little bit, but we do, but but in a good way. That's right. A sanctified right. Like you know, the government doesn't have the right to tell you to wear a hat with a propeller on it. No matter what some people say, pinwheels. Pinwheels. Yeah. That's it. Pinwheels. pinwheels. So to to the so the the bigger question: What does dominion look like? What does fulfilling the cultural mandate look like when it it is clearly the case that the that the judgment of God is upon a culture, is upon a nation? Is his hands? He's let go of the rails. The thing is, he's let go of the the, the reins. It's off the rails. It's off the cliff. Um, by way of principle or at least to help us understand what we're doing and my wife and I were talking about this the other night we need to recognize that the ways that the culture is off the cliff and under the judgment of God are actually an attack on or antithetical to the cultural mandate itself Mm -hmm. so recognizing Mm -hmm. that right because the cultural mandate is be fruitful multiply Mm -hmm. have dominion over the animals mm-hmm. and creation itself, right? Or Adam, go make the rest of the world look like this garden. This mm-hmm. garden is ordered. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. well kept. Mm-hmm. Go tame the wild earth. Uncover all the resources, right? Like it's it's like a big game of Minecraft. Go, mm-hmm. It's all out there. Go and dig for it. Find it. Do and build excellent things and have mm-hmm. dominion over the earth. 
the way that our culture is showing that we're under the judgment of God is actually the undoing of that. Yeah. And so right. instead of being fruitful and multiplying, it's kill babies or don't have them yeah. or wait till you're much older. Or destroy your body. Right. And instead of have dominion over the animals, it's worship animals. I mean, mm-hmm. as we do, right. you can't you can't kill bald eagles. You can kill babies though. Mm-hmm. Right. You can put sweater vests on Mr. Bojangles, mm-hmm. your little Euro poodle. That's fine. <laughs> right. And so we've taken that which God has commanded people to do and, and the charge he specifically gives to his people, what the culture is doing is the undoing of that. Right. Yeah. It's the unraveling of that mandate. And so... So we can't we can't be faithful unless we um, confront the culture. Right, and we and know what they're issues, doing. On these it's issues. not just that they're sinning, is that they are undoing. It's a reversal of creation. It's yeah. a reversal of what God commands yeah, us to do. Decreation, and yeah. they're actively coming against that yeah and that's why we're under that's the sign of his judgment if we we got to be honest about that and not worry about offending people and tiptoeing around the, around what's going on but that's that's the situation they are undoing the cultural mandate they're perverting it they're twisting it in all sorts of evil ways and that's why we're under hmm. the judgment of god that's what it looks like that's what his judgment looks like and there's no there's no um Neutral party. It's right. not as though we're seeking to take dominion and they're kind of tagging along. I mean, look at what our government has done in the last several years. It is an aggressive assault on the rule of law, on the nature of manhood and womanhood, the nature of the family, the um, vulnerability of children. It is a, it is a, there is no break on this thing. Like it is a, it's it's not whether there will be a kingdom. It's who's yeah. going to be the king. That's right. And it's not as though if we just get our little Christian ghetto over here, the world will remain nice and neutral out there. Um, it's they're they're going to claim authority over our worship. They're going to claim authority over our family, over our children, over our over our individual hey, selves. These guys sound a lot like theonomists. <laughs> reluctant ones? <laughs> no, they wait, the government are not reluctant about yeah. their attempts. Oh, you mean to the government are theonomous? Yes. Oh, for sure they are. Yeah. See yeah. this? Oh, yeah. yeah but yeah, you yeah. guys are sounding like it too. Oh, yeah, too. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, the point the point I'm making is that Christians often shy away from using terms like the cultural mandate yeah. or theonomy, thinking that uh, you know, we've 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 put the responsibility of the Christian into such a narrow box, right? Yeah. Repent, believe, uh, grow in sanctification and go to church and be a part of that community. Forgetting that uh, there's so much more that God Obey wants. Obey all that he has commanded. Right, including Genesis 1, 2, uh, and the other, you know, yeah. the, the in Genesis uh, after the flood. Yeah. Um, those those mandates are, are still in effect, yeah. essentially, is what we're saying, right? Mm-hmm. And so the world is is more than willing to lay down the law and say, "Here's our God, whether it's money or sexual uh, sexual identity or whatever, and we're going to impose our law on everybody." Right? We're seeing now that this whole neutral sphere thing is just a myth. Right? Mm-hmm. It was a stopping place between the Christian culture and the materialist secular culture yeah. that they're trying to build. They were just disarming us. Right? Pretending what you do in your bedroom is fine. Right, what two consenting adults do is fine. It's none of your business. 
Well, now it, now it is our business right. because we have to affirm it or else, you know, you go to jail if you try yeah. and convince somebody yeah. to repent of those things. It's what Augustine said. There's either the city of God or the right. city of man. There's two cities. I just got that on Audible today, so I'm looking forward to starting that. I've never actually read any long portions of Augustine. Yeah, there's no yeah. Switzerland, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no Switzerland. There, there's, there's the allied, you know, forces and and the enemy, but but... But, but that's it. And a lot of Christians think there's a choice between whether we will be at war or not. Hmm. Um, that's we're seeing what happens when you attack the gods of right. the worshipers. Mm. Oh, they that, go and, crazy. And I think what – so what that tells us – You're over the target. <laughs> is that for the last few generations, that's what we haven't been doing. Mm-hmm. So for the last few generations, we clearly have not been saying to them – your God is no God at all. Mm. Because the moment right. we start attacking their gods, the moment they start freaking out and the mm. moment they start jumping to their God's defense. And so yeah. we've been playing this, like you said, we've been playing the, the whole job of the Christian is just to go out and say, okay, go and here's a gospel, believe it, go to heaven and that's it. Mm-hmm. And yes, that is a big part of what we were commanded to do. But what we've not done is we've not engaged in these cultural spheres and said, that's a false god. Mm-hmm. That's not right. that's not God at all. And now that we're now that our hand has been forced in light of cultural developments in the last couple of years, our hand's really been forced. Now we're being forced to say, Yeah, no, that's a false god. And you and now we're seeing the response, the violent anger response from people when you attack their gods. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's and they're they're showing us that there will always be a God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there will always be there will always be priests. There will always be prophets. There's always going to be oh, a holy man. book. It's always going to be that way. But I think we were we're show, we're finding out that we have not been in the business of smashing idols like we should have been. Mm-hmm. We've just yeah, let you, them say, oh, it's fine, stay in the corner, as yeah. opposed to throwing it down. Mm-hmm. You see it every time anyone, especially in the States, would tr- attempt to even pass legislation that would limit abortion <clears throat> in some way. Not even get rid of it, just limit it. And it's like they go bonkers. Mm-hmm. They go bonkers like you have uh, like you walked into you know the Temple of Dagon and, and pushed Dagon yeah. over mm-hmm. and broke his hands off or whatever. Like they just... They're losing their minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we need to we need to take heart. Um, you know, Christ has been given all authority, and all things have been subjected to Him. And while we do not currently see all things having been subjected, they have. There's a sense in which they have been. And um, I think we need to also get used to suffering. Christians need to realize there's a consequence to obedience. And uh, the danger of being unfaithful in trial uh, is a very serious thing. This is why the New Testament cares a lot about endurance, because the assumption, I think a lot of Canadian, maybe Western, North American, think like the suffering that Jesus was concerned about was for places where there are like bad military people or something. Like it's like a certain view of suffering but Jesus said that if those who wish all those, or sorry, who said all those who wish to live a godly life, Paul, it's live Paul. a godly life, yeah. in Christ Jesus will suffer. One of the Timothys? Is that in one of the Timothys? Yeah. yeah. And it's just, is that verse true or not? Yeah. And so we need a big part of our dominion. Doesn't It's not domination. Um, we don't conquer the same way. Like a lot of our conquering will be as the lamb, uh, as one who is slain. And uh, we need to not be like the world that sees... 
the crucifixion and walks away dejected because it's a failure. You know, it's like, did I not tell you this needed to happen? This is this is the way you get to a resurrection, is through yeah. a death. And the church, we might be going into a period where, I mean, look, I met Andrew through meeting a bunch of pastors um, who, who stayed open. We're a small group. And I'm not saying we're the only Christians. I'm not saying we're the only faithful people. I'm not making that point at all. I'm just saying something that's ba- it's basically like putting your pants in the morning. Go to church on Sunday, right? This is where we start. Whatever else we need to fight about, we kind of start here. And that's the tenth mark of yeah. the nine marks. That mark, <laughs> it's the tenth, tenth mark. mark is go to church. Yeah. That was the unspoken right. mark. Right. That was the unspoken mark. <laughs> yeah. The assumed. It's mark. like the thing that's that's uh, so obvious you don't even have to put it down on. By paper. the way, any opportunity I can have to dig at Big Eva, I'll take every time. Okay, okay. so every time. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have you back now, and you can do that. De Bartolo's coming for you, Big Eva. <laughs> Look out! Watch out! Look out, SBC! You're next. I guess you can't go after Russ Moore, and because um, he, he left, he's with the Presbyterian Church right. now, so he's not part of Big Eva. Anymore. Is he actually a Presbyterian Church? So, so yeah. not only is he a part of a Presbyterian Church, but apparently, I think he's at the same church or a part of the same. No, sorry, I'm, I'm wrong. Beth Moore left, and she's now an Anglican minister. Um, and so, oh, really? I didn't so, see so Russell Moore, Beth Moore, not related. And then someone else, some other kind of big SBC, they all left. And the first place they went are to mainline. baby, baby, mainline baby sprinkling churches. Really? Yeah. So clearly they, the whole, well, as long as you sign the Baptist faith and message you're in, no, that, so now we know that's not true, that anyone can sign a piece of paper and then take convictions and go. Well, if well, they can do that with like the Westminster Confession, which is very specific and still in their conscience get around it, they can certainly do it with the Baptist faith and message, which is a lot less rigorous, yeah. let's say, and, than the... And 22 years old. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we transition to talk some current events? <clears throat> yeah, man. Because we, we're, we're current events people. Like, we stay current with these events, right, Jay? Well... In the words of Abe Simpson, current events. In the words of Abe Simpson, I used to be with it, and then they changed what it was, and now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary to me. Is that the full quote? That's the full quote. That's we did, he, he didn't do it in his voice, but that's fair. That's fair. No, uh, yeah, I, I try not to keep with, up with too much um, because watching the news is depressing. Yeah. Uh, and also, I'm trying not to get jammed. You know, they're they're jamming stuff into people's brains, and uh, the less you listen, the healthier you'll be. Yeah. But uh, this trucker convoy has just—I mean, we already touched on it a couple times, but mm-hmm. um, it's really probably one of the biggest deals of our lifetime, mm-hmm. as far as a like a, a democracy, uh, as far as a like a ground up movement in Canada. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything that would be bigger than this. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I, I mean, we don't need to say what it is. Everybody knows what's going on. And mm-hmm. and a moment for Canadians to be proud to be Canadian yeah. that yeah. doesn't revolve around winning a hockey gold or medal. Or Tim Hortons. Right? Like yeah. this, That my wife and I were talking about this. <laughs> like, when is the last time that it's not tied to sports yeah. or an overrated alternative rock band from Kingston? Yeah. Has have Canadians oh, been sacrilege? Well, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm we're with smash, you. But... We're smashing idols, right? <laughs> when is the last time you've had this coast to coast sense of Canadians being? I am proud to be Canadian for this mm-hmm. that wasn't sports or the hip. Well, Maybe. I think it's. I think it's. 
part of it in relation to our podcast, I'm not trying to just stay on brand here, but the idea of dominion is that you see the effect of the gospel that has taken great inroads in a culture and shaped it profoundly. Because what people are rising up for is is, uh, our principles and beliefs that actually don't naturally spring up. Mm -hmm. Uh, We think democracy, respect for the individual, the rule of law, um, accountability. Just happen? Yeah, like yeah. Th- those don't just happen. And they never happen anywhere apart from apart from the gospel. And so it's encouraging to me just to reflect on that and say, you know what? It is, it's amazing. Like you said, where else would you rather be? What other culture do you want to be a part of? Do you want to be a part of a totalitarian regime? Because that's the alternative, right? Do you want to be a part of an authoritarian regime? Because that's the alternative. It's either Christ is Lord or Caesar is, and he's not a great guy. No. So that's been encouraging. You don't want to, to invite me. him over for casserole. No. Or a potluck. No. So we we checked it out. We went with my family to the bridge in Port Hope, and uh, Andrew, you you were able to really welcome and practice hospitality with a lot of these guys as well. You were telling me we uh, so in Kingston there were a couple dozen locations in the city where they were parking hmm. trucks because there were too many and the main spot wasn't going to be big enough. So one of the locations happened to be right across the street from my church. Nice. And so I spoke the with the Canadian organizers. Yeah, in the parking lot. And so I spoke with the organizers and said, well, what if we feed them instead of shuttling them to the main location off the main, um, you know, where the, where the truck's going to be by the truck stop? Why don't you just send, you know, 100 or so trucks to the parking lot? You can fit them there. And then we'll have people from our church and we'll just shuttle them back and forth and we'll have food, coffee. They can use a bathroom, whatever. They can hang out for as long as they want. And so from about 8 until 11, that's what we were doing. We were shuttling truck drivers and people in regular vehicles who were joining the convoy just back and forth across the street from our church to get coffee. People stayed for a while. I was basically shuttling nonstop, but a number of the people from our church were able to sit around and have really good discussions with the people. And it was they snapped some really good photos that some some people have been sharing on social media. So, yeah, we got to feed them, and uh, I was— their res- it was the same response over and over again. Um, everyone has been super kind and loving and hospitable and warm and friendly and generous to us ac- across the country, everywhere they've stopped. So encouraging. Like ev- they, they've said, we've been overwhelmed by the support and, and, and people loving on us and them also being very grateful for the reception from yeah. everyone in the country. And, rec- and they, all, they were also saying, listen, enough is enough. And then they were also saying, we feel like people who haven't had a voice now have. So it was, yeah. it was interesting that there's this consistent messaging across the country from these people. When I uh, I left Kingston yesterday to go home, and so I, I stayed on the four one the whole way because I thought I could pass the convoy, but they were really delayed from weather and some traffic incidents in the GTA. But every overpass I passed from Kingston to Port Hope had people on it. It was the same, but even in the middle the of nowhere. That's and, amazing. Uh, I only passed. <clears throat> I at Trenton. I passed one of the forward elements of the convoy, and Trenton was out in force. Like you know that stretch between the, like the um, right at the bridge over the over yep. the river there. It was people were stopped on the highway all the way. Wow! And then up on the hills and the overpasses, they had cranes with flags on it. Like it was it was awesome. 
Uh, and that was just a small portion of the convoy. And then all the way to Port Hope, people on every bridge, uh, right from Kingston to Port Hope. Well, it was it was nuts. And those people were they would still have been waiting for hours before uh, yeah. trucks got to them. Yeah, you're right, Alex. That the part of what we're seeing here is the effect, the residue yeah. of a culture that has been founded upon biblical principles. Yeah. And we're also seeing, coupled with the recent interview with Joe Rogan and uh, Jordan Peterson, we're yeah. basically seeing presuppositionalists are saying, we told you yeah. so. Yeah. See, we told How you does this. this guy get it? Right? And so, what? yeah, what we're seeing is yeah. we're seeing the effects of believers who understood that they were to go into all nations they were they were supposed to cross a big body of water yeah. come over here and bring not just the gospel itself but really the full weight of the word of god because when the the, the good news isn't here's how you structure a government or here's mm-hmm. how you structure judicial stuff or here's your legal system so they bring the gospel but they bring all of the commands of god and mm-hmm. say this is how we're going to structure a nation and now right. we're seeing that even though it's in free fall in one sense you still have the remnants or the residue of, but we know how it should be. Yeah. Right. And we know, for example, that what we don't do is arm revolution. We don't yeah. storm parliament mm-hmm. uh, with guns. We go peaceably and, mm-hmm. and in protest, but we do it a certain way. So they don't even realize the foundations upon which they stand yeah. that have been built, but they're there. And you want to say to people who are so critical of this, it's like Lewis says, um, the atheist is like a child who sits on his father's knee to to smack him in the face kind of thing. It's like you, you realize you need to you need his knee there in order to be able to inflict any pain. Mm-hmm. And when people think, oh, we just need to love our neighbor and let go of all this cultural stuff, it's like, okay, How? so love your neighbor <laughs> means be kind. That's nice. Uh, what if you lived in a country that was something like East Berlin? Um do you think that would be good for your neighbor? And do you think that you would be able to exercise the same kind of charity towards them that you are envisioning now that you think is what is the totality of what it means to love them? Like you only can say that because you are living in a world that has been built by by people and from a human sense who don't believe that kind of reductionistic thinking that you can think something so naive, right? Right. And it's like, do you not know what the world is like apart from Christ? Do you not know what the world is like apart from the rule of law? I think it was the the Justice Mission or the the group that does they're the foremost evangelical group in child trafficking. And the thing they realized after years of being in this, they knock down doors and rescue children. We're talking the most heinous crime in the I, I think the most heinous crime that can be committed, crimes against children. Um seeing the gutter of humanity. And they realized that what they really needed to focus on was legal reform because it would do nothing to break down these brothels if there was not laws to put in place to actually protect these people and to stop it. So now a major point of their emphasis is legal reform in these countries. And it's like, what do you know? You're starting to look like a theonomist there, right? right? They're spending all their cultural capital now. Yeah, exactly. But what they should be doing is try to convert people because that's how you change... Yeah, culture. Right. You shouldn't try and yeah. only that too. Only that. You shouldn't yeah. try and actually get just laws passed. No, that's the that's... silly. The silliness of it is <laughs> that every person agrees, yeah. except for the pure anarchist who even still has a code of conduct. Every person <laughs> yeah. agrees that a nation is going to be governed by laws. Yeah, we all agree on that. Mm-hmm. 
okay, great. Which laws? Yeah, it says so who? If you we're going to choose laws, laws right? And if we're going to choose laws, why wouldn't we start? Oh, I don't know, with the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like why? Like as a forget about the pagan, but for the Christian, right? For the the Christian who contributes to TGC Canada, who mm-hmm. says, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't live in a world where we try to get the law of God mm-hmm. enshrined yeah. in the legal system. Mm-hmm. Well, why not? Yeah. yeah, right. Like why? Like don't n- not murdering, yeah. not stealing. These seem like good laws, mm-hmm. right? And so God put mm-hmm. them in place. So we're gonna have laws anyways. We might as well start with things that that emanate from the character and nature of God. Yeah. That's a good place yeah. to start, Wh- isn't it? One of the objections that uh, that is often proposed is that. We're attempting to um, to create the kingdom of God on earth without actually having people who are transformed or renewed internally, um, and that I mean but that's, that's 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 sorry, go ahead. Th- sorry, th- there there could be a sense in which you don't want to do that. Obviously, you're not making laws in order to have people regenerated. Mm-hmm. Only the Holy Spirit can regenerate people through the preaching of the Word. We believe that, which and, everyone believes. And, yeah, which everyone believes. But what is the downside to um, to putting laws in place, like you said, that are based on God's laws that are going to create more justice, uh, more equity in in culture, punish and evil on, and reward the good, and punish evil? Well, and, you know they're being disingenuous because I would ask them, "Is that how you raise your kids?" Yeah. Do your, when your kids before they profess faith in Christ, you tell them not to hit their brother. Yeah. Right. You don't run your family that right. way. You don't run your church that way. You don't run your business that way. Yeah. Right. Like in every every aspect of your life, right. you don't run it this way. Right. But now you're going to tell us, oh, but we can't do this this way. This mm. is where the the importance of understanding sphere sovereignty mm. matters because if you have a way that you're going to say in this particular sphere, we do it this way, mm-hmm. and yet you wouldn't apply it to any other sphere, right? So you can preach on work, you can mm. preach on family, you can preach on money. But you can't touch politics. Mm-hmm. Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't live your family. You wouldn't run your family saying to your kids until they believe we will not require yeah. obedience to yeah. a law. And what is that's one the of cart the, before the horse? Yeah. What, what is one of the purposes of disciplining your kids and giving them these good laws? Right? It's so it's the same purpose of uh, God's law. So we can see our sin mm-hmm. and turn to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right, so the law is a teacher in that sense. Right, mm-hmm. God gives us His law so we can see our sin, so we can see how how far we fall short. And why should that not be true on a cultural level mm-hmm. too? Like we have laws against murder, not just so you don't murder people, but so that you know that murder is wrong. So you don't have to be a murderer, right? Right. You repent. You know, and, and it's funny that you never hear anybody argue against laws against murder as they're arguing against theonomy. There's no basis for laws against murder on a materialist right. worldview. Where would so you get them? That they only come from here. Yeah, mercy, <laughs> justice. It's in the Ten Commandments. Right. We should get rid of all that anyway, right? We don't want our, our well, all of them except for the Sabbath. Get rid of the Sabbath thing. Keep the other nine. Maybe some might say, but yeah, you're right. If anyone who says we, we we're okay with not murdering, okay, but why? Mm-hmm. Well, because it's good for society. Okay, but why? Yeah, mm-hmm. what's good? Why is it good for society? Mm-hmm. Well, who because, gets to define good? Well, and not just who gets to define good, but it's good because God says it's good and because God knows how society should be structured. Yeah. So if we're going to be okay with that one, then why is it that we're not just going to disregard? We're going to have to do work, right? Like there's certain, there's for example, there's certain things in the case laws, 
that I don't think we can enshrine mm-hmm. in our legal system. So there's work that needs to be done. But as a principle, what's wrong with starting with God's law? So for example, and this is highly contentious, if... We don't necessarily believe these things. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If the views expressed are not those right. of the Dominion, they're the no, views of they're the views of Andrew and not necessarily his church or I, his wife. I'm hoping I agree with your with what you're okay. about to say. So this, if our elected officials so decide that they will punish those who practice homosexuality with a very severe punishment that they will wield the sword against that. The believer who says that God's moral character is one of uprightness and sinlessness and that the law of God is good for God's people, they themselves should not be the one enacting vigilante justice and then killing people who sin. Mm -hmm. But if the state has been given the sword to punish evil as God defines and reward good as God defines, Mm -hmm. then if the state says we're going to punish by the sword those who practice homosexuality, the believer consistently doesn't have any grounds upon which to say, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. The believer needs to say, technically, they are punishing the Mm -hmm. one who does evil in accordance with God's law. Mm -hmm. So now people would instantly say, you can't criminalize homosexuality. You just can't do it. The state can't do it. We can't have that happen. But if we're going to do it with murder, which we see is, a, is an offense punishable by death in the Old Testament, then why in principle do we get up in arms if that were to happen? And I think if the believer is going to be consistent in saying, you know what, we should have harsh penalties for murder. If the state says we're going to have harsh penalties for this, and that's what they so determined because they want to obey God well, mm-hmm. I don't know if the believer would have a ground to throw their arms up and say, oh, that's unreasonable. And that's, when, that's just wrong. We can't go that far. And when people say, well, you can't enact a law because that's not what changes people or whatever, it's it's actually to conflate two spheres. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the, the role of the state isn't to convert people. Right. <laughs> right? It's like, that's that's not the role of the state. And so... Well, I mean, it apparently one way. Right. Yeah. The state can convert people one way. Yeah. <laughs> or to statism. They can yeah. convert them to statism. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's like, the, well, we don't only punish things as a means of conversion, mm-hmm. right? Like the state punishes as a means of protection. Right. Uh, and for bringing, example. bringing justice to parties that have been wronged. Yeah, this yeah this type of thing. And the role of the church conversion, which is why we don't actually wield the sword. So church discipline, the final most extreme um, punishment is actually to be removed, handed over to Satan, as the New Testament says, uh, with the <clears throat> aim of repentance. Right. And so it's it's entirely like this this kind of fear that the church will then start becoming you know jailing their members or or practicing capital punishment is within its institution is like that's not no one has no one claims that and it's a failure to understand the various responsibilities in the culture mm-hmm. but if we are going to have a state and they're going to be the ones with the sword. Um, then maybe we should limit and define, as we have historically, what that power is. And we should probably do that using the Bible and not the arbitrary dictates of whoever happens to be in power. And we should encourage them as best as we can to build their laws around good and evil as God 
defines, right? Yeah. This is the this is the silent question in Romans 13 that hangs above the first seven mm, verses yes. is but who will teach the state what yeah. is good and evil right. according to God? Mm-hmm. Does right? God want the state to enforce their own laws or mm-hmm. his laws? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's his laws and then that's the question. But who's going to tell them? They're not going to tell themselves. Mm-hmm. The world's not going to tell them the culture's not. There's only one institution, right. one group of you know, Billy American theonomists who are in the only position to appropriately disciple the state and tell them, this is what good and evil is according to God, and this is how you need to punish evil and reward good. Yeah, do you think Caesar would have agreed with Romans 13? You know what I'm saying? It's it's a joke. No, it would have limited his power. Yeah, it's like you think he would have been like, oh, yeah, that definitely is the case, you know? That that good and evil is God. Looks like I can't let this Jesus guy, looks like I can't have him crucified. Uh Uh-oh, I have to reward the good, and he's done good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, back to your question. I think I I agree with you. Um, Pretty sure I do. I know you were just kind of throwing that out there. But uh, so, so I have a couple thoughts slash questions. Uh, one thought is, I don't know if the penalties prescribed in the case laws would come over one-to-one, or right. if we would use them as just sort of a proportional... Well, even still, the penalties that they have are, this would be the maximum. Right, it's a but maximum. But there's, there's flexibility it's, in there where it doesn't always there's only, the There's really, is it really only one thing that is always capital punishment, and that's, you know, if you shed the blood of man. Um, and... So and, and this is the this is the contentious part is that these particularly you know vile perverse sexual activities they always seem to have that right. consequence and part right. of it is because at least the way the scriptures frame it is that it is it is defilement upon the land it's 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 abomination to a, d- a degree where it's actually it defiles the land itself and then requires death or expulsion right right and so that's that's part where people start to get okay. icky but even still it doesn't necessarily mean we have to go to that point but it allows for that as an appropriate right. consequence if it if need be my my and my other thought is um we would we would in in a system where you were going to try and apply god's law or create your 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 laws based on god's law you would have to distinguish between sins and crimes as well right Right. not all of the 10 commandments are crimes although they're all sinful in god's eyes and you know crimes on that level uh, but not everything would be punishable by a a, a civil judicial. a judicial right. penalty um but mind you the sexual things even even just plain up plain old adultery was uh, punishable by death uh, in the Old Testament. And I think the reason is because of the importance of the family, right? God's trying to show mm-hmm. by the penalties he, he imposes on certain sins what the importance of the thing that is being transgressed is. Yeah, this I, is something that we miss. We think that's so harsh, but really the problem is with us that we have too little concern and care for the value of things. It's not God have, who has too little value. I thought you were going to have a Sproul moment. You'd be like, and the punishment's so severe. Yeah. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. I was waiting for that to come up. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? No, you're right. Yeah. Th- there's- an eye for an eye is people get angry at that. It's just like, well, that's actually a profound thing mm-hmm. to say that his eye is worth as much as yours. Mm-hmm. 
and it's a to life prevent life. retribution as and well. Portion, and portion, proportionality. Proportionality, right. which yeah. is not a human. None of us are naturally prone to that. We are disproportionate in yeah. our wrath. You bring you bring a knife. They bring a knife. You bring a gun. Yes, you exactly. One, you send one of theirs to the doctor. Well, they send one of yours to the morgue. That's the human way. It is. Right? That's, that's what you should have said. Not the Chicago way. That's the human way. Yeah. It's to up it. Yeah. Right? You brought two guys. We're bringing three guys. It's the Hatfields yeah. and the McCoys. Right. It's, it's never, uh, you know what? Perhaps, perhaps it should only be what I stole from you. That's what's required right. of me to pay back. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think we're going to have to do a whole other show focus right on the theonomy thing and we've kind of gone a little bit far afield here if we um, were to be in charge of this country <laughs> if freak everyone <laughs> i think it, it's and i was talking to somebody about it this week this is a huge thing for canadians because we are so far down the the path in the wrong direction to even start thinking about these things is like it makes your brain hurt because it's like pretty much everything in our culture needs to go yeah. and be conformed to god's law right uh, everything, the welfare state, the healthcare, the education, all this stuff is completely contrary mm-hmm. to to God's law and would have to go. And that's where I think people go, oh, man, we got a lot of work to do if we if we go down that road. So. Well, and to, the thought that I had when you when you asked the initial question, how do we how do we take dominion? How do we how do we fulfill the cultural mandate when we have a culture that is so so far gone has been so handed over i mean it's going to sound almost trite but you fulfill the cultural mandate right and so it's it's simple yeah. but what you do is nothing changes right in a culture where they murder babies go have babies yeah right like go get married be a responsible man right adam was supposed to take care of the garden before eve showed up mm-hmm. so go get a job bum like mm-hmm. move out of your house mm-hmm. get a job Find a woman, love her, protect her, provide for her, have kids. They want to murder kids? You have kids. Mm -hmm. They want to, say, worship animals? Listen, have pets. Just don't worship them, Mm -hmm. right? Go go out and create something. Go make something. Go build something. Go work hard, right? The way we fulfill the cultural mandate is by doing it and by telling people, go, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. It's so simple, but... It seems so difficult because everything in our culture is saying the opposite. Yeah, whatever it's, you do, do all things to the glory of God. Right. Well, you really made me feel stupid now, Andrew. Thanks. <laughs> That's it. We just went all the way just to get right back. All the way around. They, they're so gentle, these guys. They could have just <laughs> said, what are you, an idiot? Just do the thing that you're supposed to do. That's how you do it. <laughs> but in this particular but context... But they love me too much. Yeah, in this particular context, the fulfilling of the cultural mandate yeah. in this conversation required a more gentle touch. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Hey, let's uh, do a little segment on what we're reading. So uh, mm-hmm. what, what are you reading right now? What do you got on the go? What do I got on the go right now? Um, I just finished uh, reading Schaefer's The Great Evangelical... Disaster. Mm. What's that one about? I can't. Oh, I can't remember if I've read that one. So it was written in 1984. It was written the year that I was born, and I'm You're reading through 84? this book. Yeah, I'm five years older than you. I'm not. That's yeah. That makes sense. Okay. That's not very. Is that shocking yeah. to you, Alex? Yeah, it is. A, I'm, I'm old. Is it the beard? Maybe. I didn't know you were older than me. I am older than you. It's just you're yeah. just so manly. You that's know? true. <laughs> that's so truth. Truth. Um, basically. <laughs> 
basically, so I, I read the first chapter and then I looked at my wife and I said, did he write this today? Yeah. And so the great evangelical disaster, basically it's because the church has compromised and because we've compromised on the authority and the sufficiency of scripture, what happens is the culture begins to free itself from the culture, the Christian Ooh. moorings. Sounds like that, Psalm 2. That hold it together. And then once they start discarding all the boundaries, all the Christian um, kind of structure that holds it together, it starts careening into chaos. And when it goes into chaos, the culture is unsafe and uncomfortable in a state of chaos. And so what Schaefer, so I, like I started reading it, and what he says is when a culture is in chaos, you have a totalitarianism that will move in and the, the people will embrace it. Because hmm. in order to have some sort of safety in the midst of chaos, they need something to hold it together. And so it was profoundly, I mean, for a guy who was a cessationist, he was very much prophetic because he 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 hit it right on the head. And he's talking about stuff from the 20s. He's saying from the 20s to the 60s, this is what's happened. And so he didn't even live to see it in, in, in full bloom. So I would I would heartily recommend that. And then I'm just starting... I know late, a little late to the game, but I'm just starting um, Dreher's book, Live Not By Lies. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's so it's, it's encouraging. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard him in podcast I mean, interviews, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. How about you, Al? What are you, you working, on now? Yeah, I'm still working through um, C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Oh, I'm yeah. selling the first book. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. Nice. Yeah, it's good. And how's, um, how's your Ken Gentry going? I finished it. It was really helpful. It made me want to get his larger. He has like a 600-page book where he gets a bit more into things. I was talking to Andrew. He's actually a post-millennialist. He doesn't know yeah. it. Well, <laughs> or, Andrew? or I'm an millennialist. That's, exact, that's exactly what the cross-politic guy said. They're like, man, talking Knox was like, you post-mill. I'm like, no, Knox. I'm just, I'm an optimistic millennialist that denies two-kingdom theology. That's so, there, there's room for me. Hey, sorry, we'll get back to you for a second. Yeah. I want to ask you this. Um, is the, is there a streak in all millennialists that that wants to lean towards the two K theology and why why is that? I would is, say is it, that if it's no, then there's no why. But no, there. Is, I would say that it's the it's the majority view. So even really? okay. Tim Riddlebarger is he's a two kingdoms guy. Horton, those guys. Sam Storms is as well. Um, I don't get it. I well, just don't get I, it. so I think it's. I don't see the connection. Well, it's it's because you're a theonomist. You don't see the connection. That's why. But there, I, there's, there's a line I might be an all-millennialist, too. Yeah. I'm not sure. No, you can be. And that's what I was trying to tell, that's what, that's what I was trying to tell the boys across politics, that you can, you, can have, you can have certain views on what the millennium looks like and when it happens, but at the same time believe that uh, the kingdom of God advances in such a way that Christ has authority over all of creation and that we're called to push back against the darkness to advance the kingdom. Yeah, to you just sound like a post-millennialist. Right, and so yeah. that's what I'm hearing, but <laughs> but there are some distinctions that okay. I would say not all the way. Okay, but Sorry. you but that is a trend in amillennialism. Very much so, okay. yep. I was asking Alex about that a couple of weeks ago, and he wasn't wasn't uh, sure, but uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I cut in on you there, uh, Al. No, that's that's the main thing I'm reading is Lewis right now. and uh, I do love the Space Trilogy. Yeah. It's different, you know. It's not sci-fi enough for like real sci-fi lovers, and it's not like Lewis's other stuff enough for big Lewis lovers. Mm. So it's kind of in between. Mm -hmm. You just kind of have to take it for what it is and enjoy the ride. Mm -hmm. It's weird, but mm -hmm. enjoy it. 
I'm uh, I'm reading um, in the House of Tom Bombadil by mm. C.R. Wiley. Nice. Just got that shipment in from Canon Press last week. Did you get the the, the pack, the three book? Pack? I didn't get the pack. No, I just uh, I just wanted that one. There was only like a five dollar discount or something. I was like, it's not really much of a bundle. We need to figure out a Canadian distributorship. We do. Guys. If any dollars American though. Yeah. That's if anyone like from Canon is listening, we need more of your materials up here, and I don't want to pay like a buttload of duty and shipping every time I order a book. So no. come on, guys, get it together. Come on. Find a distributor in Canada. But uh, yeah, In the House of Tom Bombadil is really good. It's about one of the characters in uh, Lord of the Rings who a lot of people don't understand or just don't realize why he's there in the books. But uh, yeah, a lot of good insight. Mm. Any uh, last words? That Thoughts? was my last word. All right. Well, yeah. that was a great discussion, guys. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Thanks for being here. I know you're used to being on the big shows where they got like sound effects and like shotgun blasts. You know what? You don't hear any of that on your end. You don't? So when I did the Founders Ministry one, the Sword and the Trial, I didn't even see them. So they said, you're not going to be able to see Tom and Graham. But you were on video. Right. But I, so I saw myself in the Zoom call. But they're like, you're not going to see anything, but when you watch it later, it'll all be there. And so I was looking at a screen, and basically I was looking at Mike Thiessen. Like, I see his mug all the time, right? Yeah. So it was just him and me. And then I heard the other guys, and then I didn't hear all the shotguns. I didn't hear the music. Like, when the cross politic guys, second segment, they have that music where it's like, yeah, right? Yeah. I didn't hear that. I would have done that, but I didn't get to. <laughs> This is this this is nice. Being in person is nicer. I would rather do nice. this than those. This those is a ones. great studio too. Yeah. yeah, he built it. Upper forty. Upper forty studio, and a shout out, of course, to our unofficial sponsors: Gawartha Classical Christian School, mm-hmm. uh, Training Minds, Tuning Hearts, or Tuning Hearts Training Minds. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm going to uh, leave you with our regular. I got to put this thing closer to me. It's awkward. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. We'll see you next time.